Praise the Lord. Glad you're uh, here on this Father's Day. Amen. Dads, I trust that today will be a day that you just, uh, uh, you get a lot of encouragement out of. I pray that you will feel the love that you have earned, and I pray that, uh, pray that you would just uh, enjoy what God's blessed you with. A, a young, uh, young man asked his dad one day, said, Dad, when is, when is Father's Day? He said, well, it's, it's nine months after Mother's Day. <laughs> Some of y'all get that in a minute. Nine months after, after Mother's Day, praise the Lord. Glad to have my friend in the service with us, Brother Ted Stewart. Glad to have you with us. We go way back. Of course, he goes way back further than me, but we go way back. Glad to have Brother Ted with us, amen. And each of you that are here, amen, in the absence of the pastor, I appreciate you being here. Pray for the pastor. Pray that God would give them wonderful, um, a wonderful time in Africa and that God would bring a lot of uh, souls into the kingdom for their labors. Praise the Lord. I want to draw your attention, if you have your Bibles this morning, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We, we notice uh, this scripture, this portion of scripture. We recognize it as the hall of faith. But I want to bring your attention there, if I can, for just a few moments. I uh, will do my best not to keep you very long. But uh, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse number 23, there's a few scriptures I'd like to read to you today. <clears throat> it says here in the Bible, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Praise the Lord. Look at that last verse there, esteeming the reproach, or verse 26, rather, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of in Egypt. Amen. Think about that for just a few moments. I want to I want to talk to us today if I can. Now, I know it's Father's Day and I'm not necessarily trying to just center in on Father's Day ideas, but I do want to title the thoughts this morning a father's faith, but I want to apply it to every single one of us that are in this audience this morning. Amen. A father's faith. Pray with me if you don't mind, and let's just ask God to help us. Lord, we love you today. We're so grateful to you for all that you mean to us. So thankful that, Lord, you are our eternal father, that, Lord, we can, we can depend on Jesus. Lord, in the days and the hours that we're living in, I pray that you would give each of us, fathers, mothers, children, give us the courage of conviction, the strength that we need to continue to walk with you day in and day out. Bless our time around your word today, and we'll give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I want to look at a few things from the life of Moses 
that I hope will serve as a challenge to each of us today. Not just dads, but moms, amen, wives, children, each of us being challenged by this man of God. Now, in the context of Hebrews chapter 11, there's many instances where we are introduced to those who have walked by and continued in the faith such that they would give us an example today. Amen. Nearly 2,000 years after the writing of the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we're still gaining confidence because of their testimony. Amen. Their life of faith in the Lord and the experiences that they had were important enough that the Holy Spirit of God would pin those words for you and I to glean from, to learn from, and to walk in. Praise the Lord. And so some of those things that we find written down in the book of Hebrews comes to us uh, through the concept of that idea of better. One of the key phrases in the book of Hebrews is that word better. In fact, you'll find that key word throughout the uh, entire scope of the, of, the, uh, of the book of Hebrews. In fact, Hebrews chapter number 1 shows us a better revelation. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 introduces us to a better hope. How many of you know Jesus is a better hope? Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 7 shows us a better priesthood. Hebrews 8 shows us a better covenant. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 8 as well gives us better promises. Hebrews 9, better sacrifice. Hebrews 10, better possession. Hebrews chapter 11, a better country. In Hebrews chapter 12, a better resurrection. Praise the Lord. Everything about serving the Lord is better. Can you say amen? I hope that you believe that because we're living in an hour where that is going to be challenged day in and day out. Can you say amen? Better. Amen. Oh, I thought, I thought I had life whipped. I thought I had life figured out until I came to know Jesus. And I realized just how short I came up every single time. Praise the Lord. The book of Hebrews is not only doctrinal, but it is well practical. And the practical things, and real quickly I want to go through this, the practical things that come to you and I are recurring throughout the Bible or throughout the book in a phrase, let us. Hebrews chapter 4, he says, let us fear. Where's the fear of God in the house of the Lord today? Let us, chapter 4, verse 11 says, let us labor. Chapter 4, and verse 16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Hebrews 6 and 1 says, let us go on unto perfection. Hebrews 10 and 22 says, let us draw near. Hebrews 10 and 23 says, let us Hold fast. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider one another. My favorite, Hebrews 12 and 1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Hebrews 12, 28, let us have grace. Hebrews 13, 13, let us go forth. And then Hebrews 13, 15, let us offer the sacrifices of praise. Let us, collectively, not let us, but let us. Praise the Lord. Collectively, where are we at in our walk with the Lord? In our text, in our text, we're introduced to the life of Moses. But I want to bring a few points of his upbringing, if you will, that will deserve some recognition. The, the later years uh, of life 
in Moses' life. We're going to look at that, but I want to I look at a few things real quickly, and then we're going to dismiss. But a few things that are vitally important for us to understand this morning about this man Moses really stems to us from his parents. It began there with his parents. Moses' parents, whether you have thought about it or not, Moses' parents made a choice. They made a choice. They decided from the beginning that they were not going to give audience to the king's command. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story as, uh, as it is, but in the life of Moses, he came into the world in a time of infanticide. He came in, you understand what I'm saying? He came into the world in a time where the governmental authorities said, you can't do this and you can't do that. And if you do this or that, there's a penalty to pay. And you know what he decided? His parents decided, hey, do what you choose. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's the anthem that I believe the dad of Moses really shows us. That's the anthem in which we need to really, as, as men, as husbands, as fathers, uh, as men of this culture, we need to understand, amen, that God has called us to be such as that. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 23, the Bible says that they saw him as a proper child. Amen. If you look at Acts chapter 7 and verse number 20, the Bible says that he was exceeding fair. Praise the Lord. Now, none of this, amen, this proper child terminology and this exceeding fair idea, none of this deals with the looks, the demeanor, the disposition of this child. I understand every parent in here has a beautiful child. I understand that. Amen. Every one of you. Have a beautiful child. But where does the ugly people come from? <laughs> Amen. He was a fair child. Exceeding fair. Proper, the scripture brings out. But that doesn't refer to his physical attributes. Doesn't refer to his stature or anything like that. I understand. I, I've been, I've been in, 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 in hospital visits where parents were giving, uh, bringing their child into this world for their first time, and they're real giddy. In fact, I'm, I ministered to uh, one family that uh, they were really, really uh, terrified at the idea that now they're in possession of another human life. And they said, I wish that we, could, we would have been given a manual, an instruction manual, when we left the hospital. I said, you are. It's the Bible. Amen. It's the Word of God. It'll never fail you. Amen? The Word will set you free. Praise the Lord. And so this, this proper child, this exceeding uh, fair child, is not his complexion, not his looks, nothing of that at all, but it refers to the fact of how God saw him. Amen. In fact, God, it's how God sees all of his creation. Do you know that you and I here today on planet Earth, we are the pinnacle of God's creative powers. Amen. It's not the tree. It's not the animals. It's not the air. It's not 
not all of this. It is you and I, humanity, made in the image of God Almighty. Can you say amen? I know that we've been uh, dealt a lie in our world today that says, uh, amen, the animal world is just as important as we are. That's not true. You know how I know it's not true? Because I'm going to go eat one of those fallen animals after service today. And all you meat eaters said, <laughs> praise the Lord. I was challenged not too long ago about this individual who just didn't see it that way. You know, we just were supposed to be vegetarians and all that. And I'm fine. If you want to be that, that's fine. Hey, you know, I understand. Every once in a while, get a happy meal. It'll do you good. If all you want to eat is what the rest of the food source eats, the grass, the, then, then fine, be all that. But that's not, where, that's not what we're talking about this morning. What we're explaining to you, what I see the Scripture explaining to us this morning, is that as humanity, we are the pinnacle of what God designed to show himself to this world on planet Earth through. Sure, you can see God through the sun, the moon, the stars. Sure, in creation, we read in the book of, uh, of Psalms that we can see a glimpse of the glory of God, but no more can we see the glory of God uh, identified than when we look at humanity and we see how that God has loved each and every single one of us. Praise the Lord. It's not only important for us to recognize how lovely we are and how valuable we are in the sight of God, but let me throw this into you this morning, Dad. It's extremely important uh, that our children hear that validation from our lips. Can you say amen? Ah, that's not masculine. I hope you don't buy into that lie. Oh, that's not, that's not where it's supposed to be. They know I love them. Do they? Do they? Our Heavenly Father shows it to us all the time, doesn't he? Who's our greatest example? Our Heavenly Father. Dad, we're living in an hour where efforts are being made every day to undermine your desire and your purpose to live for God and to raise a family, amen, for God's glory. But take courage in the Word. Take courage in the power, amen. When we look at Amram, Moses' father, amen, we understand a man who said, I, I, I can hear what the edict is. I know what Pharaoh says, but that's not what God says and I'm going to stand for Jesus. I'll stand for Jesus and let this world go by. Let there be an army of men rise up in this hour and say, I choose faith. I choose to live for the Lord. Amen. Now, here's something interesting I want to, I want to uh, bring your attention to, and that is this. Moses was born into a faith-filled family. I want to share some things here in just a few, few minutes that... Uh, that'll help you to understand where, where our lesson is going. He was born into a, into a faith-filled family. I think our families need to see this faith-filled life and that it doesn't go unnoticed or unrecognized. And so one of the things that I would like for you to understand about faith may be better described in what faith is not. We hear a lot of talks about faith. Brother Armstrong speaks a whole lot about faith. In fact, the scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. Amen. 
He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. So what is faith? Well, let me help you real quickly by telling you what faith is not. Faith is not some uh, ecstatic, warm, fuzzy feeling that you get. Whenever you sing a song or when you uh, gather together in a group or when you read the Bible, it's not this fuzzy feel-good. It's not this altered state of mind. How do I have what it is that God says I need to have to please Him? Well, it's not this altered state of mind. It's not this, it's not this uh, place that I get to where I think within myself, I've got to just get it. I've got, if I can believe it, I can get it. If I can believe it, you know, you just yourself into it. That's not what faith is. Faith is not any of those things. Faith is not feeling good. Faith is not just believing that it's going to happen. That's not what faith is either. It's not this glazed, slack-jawed look in your demeanor. I remember in Bible college one time, this fellow had this idea that he was going to trust God. He felt God calling him to walk in faith. But he was riding in the back of a truck. And he decided, hey, I think God just told me to step out of this moving truck and prove him. That wasn't faith. That was stupidity. Do you understand? There is a difference. And in midair, I think his testimony was, uh, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> but he did. He tried to move out of a, step out of a moving vehicle to prove that what I believe in my mind is going to come to pass. Just because you believe it doesn't mean it's true. Just because I say it doesn't mean it is absolute. Praise the Lord. So faith is not any of those things. But what is faith? If I have to have faith to please God, then I want to know what it is because I want to please the Lord. And I'm going to make it very simple for you this morning to grab a hold of. Faith is simply this. It's obedience. Now, how many of you dads work real diligent to have a household that obeys? Of course we do. It's obedience. If you have faith, you can get it. Isn't that amazing? There was a mindset that went on for a while that's, that said that faith was, was, was really just uh, 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 sectioned off for this certain people group here, this, this call of ministry here. But I can tell you right now, every single one of us need faith. Moms, dads, husbands, wives, sons, daughters, we all need faith. And faith is so simple that if you don't have it this morning, you can get it. And if you do have it, uh, what you have can and grow. Praise the Lord. How does it uh, come about? How do I get it? How does it grow? The Bible says that by hearing the word of the Lord. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. It's not just listening, uh, but it's putting into action those things that I've heard God tell me. Amen. Whether he's spoken to me in my heart uh, or whether I peel back the Bible uh, and look at the scripture uh, and I take him for what it means when I walk in obedience to his scripture, I am walking in faith. It means I don't have to have this lift me off the ground feeling in order to be pleasing unto the Lord. 
Do you know that the world can be caving in around you and you can still have intense faith? Praise the Lord. Everything can go wrong in your life and you can still be pleasing unto the Lord. That's the kind of faith that I'm talking about. Amen. Jesus summed it up like this. He said, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, he is a wise builder. Did you see what he said there? He said, if you hear them and do them, you're wise. If you hear them and do them, you're building faith. If you hear it and you apply it and you walk in it, you're building on your most holy faith. Well, how do we apply that practically? Well, if the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, I'm acting in faith whenever I come to the house of God. Amen? Whenever the Bible tells me pray without ceasing, I'm acting in faith. When I bow my head, when I get on my knees, when I lay prostrate before the Lord, I, I am acting out in faith and God is building me up when I do what it is he's called me to do when from a heart of appreciation I obey the voice of God can you say amen That's what it is. it's simple so simple that every single one of us can get it so simple that even a child who has the tendency to be disobedient can obey any of you have disobedient children? You're like, no, it's not mine. It's the people next to me that's theirs. You understand, you don't have to teach that child to be bad. You don't have to teach them to be a liar. You don't have to teach them to be a thief. But you have to put a lot of work in to keep them from doing that. Amen. In the economy of God, God connects hearing and doing. He connects the hearing and the doing, and those two connect, and, they, and, and the outpour of that, the, the fallout of that, is faith. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus made a statement. His disciples came to him and said, when is the, give, us some, give us some ideas of when the world is going to end, and when's all this stuff going to uh, go away? When is your kingdom coming in its fullness? He said, it's not for you to know those times and seasons right now. He said, I will tell you this. Let no man deceive you. Deception is a possibility. Don't let any man deceive you. But then he continues to go on, and he gives us an idea about, a, about an issue and, and an event in the life of Noah. The Bible says, Jesus in chapter 24 says this, that Noah built an ark, and as he was building this ark, the days the climate, the culture in the days of Noah were, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were given in marriage. But it says this, but they knew it not until the floods came. Wow. Now, if we look at other portions of the Scripture, we see where the Bible calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. For 120 years, Noah, as he was building the ark, was preaching that a flood was coming. But here Jesus says they didn't even know it until it happened. Is there a, is there a problem with the scripture? Is there, some, is there some discrepancies here? Not at all. Because in the economy of God, God likens listening and doing as the same. So he said, when he said they didn't know it, 
It was, it, was, it was him saying they heard it, but they rejected it. They listened to it, but they didn't put it to practice. They heard what Noah said, but they refused to believe that he knew what he was talking about. How many of you know that's the world we're living in today? Amen. There will be people who see signs. I heard a fellow tell me one time of how he came to the Lord. He said, I was, driving down, I was driving down a country road. He said, and I passed this driveway that had a wagon wheel that was placed there uh, by the culvert that, that uh, pointed the entrance into the driveway. He said, I passed the driveway up. I pulled over on the side of the road, and I began to weep and cry, and I wept my way back to God's grace. I said, over a wagon wheel? He said, it brought me back to when I was a kid growing up. I went to church with my grandparents in an old country church, and we went by way of wagon. And I felt the passion of God, and I felt the desire of God, and I felt the love of God. But as I began to grow older, I got away from it. It's all foolish. It doesn't make any sense. He said, minding my own business, going down the road, God got my attention with a wagon wheel. How many of you know God will get your attention with a number of things? You know what we ought to be as believers? We ought to be signs, signs to the unbelievers. Hey, God can still set men free. Be that wagon wheel that somebody needs to see. Be that uh, billboard that somebody needs to read. In the economy of God, he, uh, he, he connects hearing and doing together. The Bible says he preached a message of righteousness for 120 years. You know why Jesus said they didn't know it? They didn't know it because they refused to follow. They refused to go. They refused to get on board. I'm of the opinion to believe um, that if every single one of those people that heard Noah preach uh, said, hey, I want to know this Savior that you're talking about, I believe there's room enough on the ark for every single one of them to get on board uh, and survive uh, the cataclysmic judgment that happened. Uh, just as well as I believe that today, every single person Jesus said who will hear these words of mine and do them, uh, I will liken him unto a wise man. Where's the wise guys in the church today? God, I want to be wise. I want to look at the adult life of Moses, and then we're going. We're going to go home. The Bible, the scripture that I read to you, it says that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. You know, living by faith requires that we make some choices sometimes that seem difficult and maybe even unrewarding in the moment. That's just where we're at. That's the reality of life. That's not what we hear. What we hear is, oh, if you'll give us this, then you'll get that back. Yeah. You get that kind of uh, solicitation in the mail all the time, don't you? You invest $1,000, we'll guarantee you a million dollars. We would be fools not to take up on that, but we know it's not true. We know it's not true. There's some things that we refuse. Living by faith really will be difficult at times, and there may be, it may seem to be unrewarding at times, but as we live in faith and operate in faith, we are, we are uh, uh, fortifying against the attacks of the enemy. And I can tell you this, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. They're mighty through God. Continue to walk in faith, Dad. Continue to operate in faith, Mom. Continue, let me say it this way, young people, continue to obey. And all the moms and dads said, Dad, continue to obey. 
Mom, continue to obey. Preacher, continue to obey. Sunday school teacher, visitor, continue to obey. What am I doing while I'm obeying? I'm growing in my faith. I'm becoming faithful unto the Lord. A few things that I, that I uh, pointed out in the scripture that I read to you this morning. Uh, Moses refused to contaminate himself. Wow. He refused to contaminate. The Bible says that he chose to suffer affliction than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I hope you understand sin is pleasurable. I don't see your wings, so I should have heard a bigger amen than that. Somebody says, I don't think sin's that pleasurable. You just ain't sinned right enough. I'm talking to you as a human, all right? How many of you understand sin has, according to the Scripture, a pleasure component to it? But it also has, from the Scripture, but not from the enemy, it has an expiration date. Sure. And every single one of us have understood the pleasure point of sin. Well, how can you say that? Because all of us have been born into sin. Every single one of us. Every single one of us in this room and those watching live or, 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 or in the future, they have need of a Savior. Praise the Lord. And so sin is a pleasure, has its pleasure points. But it's also seasonal. When its season runs out, it leaves you confined in chains. It leaves you locked into a prison. But Moses refused to contaminate himself. Praise the Lord. Something that you and I need to understand about this thing called life, and that is this. None of us get out of it alive. None of us are going to get out of it alive. And so knowing that truth, we should purpose that we're going to live a life that pleases the Lord. Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8, I've always appreciated this scripture. Amen. It speaks of how that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were brought into Babylonian captivity. And they wanted to stand out. I mean, they didn't have to. They wasn't forced to, but the conviction of, their, of, their, of the truth that they stood by caused them to know that if I'm in a strange land, that doesn't mean that I'm away from my God. And, and Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8, it simply says this, that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, amen, from the king's table. Praise the Lord. He purposed in his heart. There's where it is. Where is faith grown? It's grown in hearing. How is it cultivated? Through purpose. Through purpose. Mom, dad, young people, before tomorrow gets here, you need to purpose in your heart today. I'm going to live for the Lord tomorrow. Before next week gets here, you need to already have it settled in your spirit. I'm living for Him. I'm purposing in my heart to live for the Lord. Sure, growing up in Pharaoh's house had its perks. 
but they were short-lived and they were temporary. And so the wisdom of faith taught Moses to look beyond the temporal, to look beyond, amen, those uh, fleeting moments of the, uh, of the intermediate uh, and to pursue the eternal. Uh, amen. Uh, Egypt offered to him all of these overrated pleasures, uh, but he chose to follow Christ, uh, amen, in what was seen to be uh, an underrated treasure. Do you know the world may not put a high priority on what you and I experience and believe, but I can tell you uh, it's more valuable than anything you'll ever give yourself to, and that is this gospel of Jesus Christ. The overrated pleasures seem to be flocked after. The underrated treasures seem to be pushed aside. Seek after the treasure. Be a treasure hunter. Be a treasure hunter. He chose not to contaminate himself based off of a calculation. What do you mean? It just didn't add up to him. I've seen pharaohs come. I've seen pharaohs go. I've watched them rise. I've watched them fall. I've watched them look like they have everything, and then all of a sudden they get, they get blindsided and they're toppled, and their governments crumble. It just doesn't add up. It just doesn't add up. A life without Christ does not add up. Amen. It doesn't stand the scrutiny of test and time. So he, he chose to walk with him who abides forever. He chose not to contaminate himself. He refused not to cease. He refused not to cease. That is, he determined that much the more that he was going to pursue after the Lord. Amen. How much the more? The more that he saw the wickedness prevailing, he determined, I'm going to pursue after the Lord. I don't know if you actually read a newspaper, the paper print of the newspaper, but if you were to open it up and lay it side by side to the Bible, they almost, you can almost go from one to the other. And never miss a beat. That's how scripturally accurate the time we're living in is. But he, he said, I'm going to refuse to cease. I'm not going to give up. Let me say this in a way that you can understand it. As a believer, you and I are not better than other people. But as a believer, you and I are better for other people. Did you get that? I'm not better than anybody. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But according to the will of God, according to the purposes of God's word, I know that I can be better for someone else. And I'm sure Moses, I know that when he made a choice, hey, I'm not going to go the route of Pharaoh in, in his plans. You do understand he was raised in Pharaoh's house, according to the scripture. Through divine orientation, Pharaoh's daughter found him floating in the Nile River and then hired his own mother to raise him. She got paid to raise her own son. Amen. God used the devil to put diapers on Moses. But in the context of all of that, you have to understand that every day that his mother, Jochebed, was ministering to him and raising him as if she was a surrogate mother, 
Every day she was putting into his mind, his heart, his ears, you are a son of God. You're a child of God. You are a, you are, you are a son of the Most High God. Every day she was pattering, pattering that into his mind. Acts chapter number 7 shares a lot of that with us and, and tells us a little bit about that. But, but you have to understand that all of that that he was being raised with and those, those uh, uh, points of information that she was putting into his mind and in his heart came to a point of fruition one day. And suddenly he came to the point where he said, I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'll choose rather to suffer affliction. Man, do you think about that? I'll choose to suffer affliction than to enjoy the pleasure. What kind of what kind of numbers game is that? That doesn't even make sense. It does make sense when you're looking at it from an eternal perspective. Amen. I'll choose to suffer affliction. I refuse to be called Pharaoh's son. Not gonna do it. Dad, your day is here. Let me just share it with you the way that I see it. I think you, as a dad, a God-fearing dad, you are your family's absolute best asset as you walk in harmony with the will of God. All the women should have said, amen. Dad, you are your family's greatest asset as you walk in the will of God. Amen. It's God's, it's God's structure. God has instructed. He's made you to be a leader. He's made you to be a priest in your home. He's made you to be the head of the house. He has given you that place of honor. But that place of honor is only predicated by you occupying your place of servanthood. Wow. Your place of servanthood. Moses refused to cease. Let me, let me say it like this. Moses refused to cool down. Moses refused to cool down. When John Wesley was asked one time about the success of his ministry, he said this. He said, you know, if you'll get on fire for God, people will come watch you burn. Refused to cool down. Refused to give up. Refused to take the back seat. Praise the Lord. In Matthew chapter 27, people's walking by Jesus, and Jesus is hanging there on the cross, and they cried out. I've always found this very, uh, uh, very uh, uh, confusing to some degree. They cried out, and they said, if you'll come down off of that cross, we'll believe. No, they won't. There's no belief outside the cross. Amen. There is no belief outside the cross. What am I saying? A crucified life pays off. Amen. Dad, mom, a crucified life pays off. Faith isn't displayed in an auditorium like this that is full of people that have the same mindset, the same thoughts, and the same ideas. Faith is on display when you're walking worthy of his name in a culture and climate that curses his name. That's where your faith stands out the most. Amen. In here, every one of us can hallelujah and hoopla and shout and, and all of that good stuff. And no, no different. It's out there where it makes the difference. Amen. Cease. He did not cease. I'm not going to cool down. 
And then finally, he refused to compromise. He refused to compromise. Now, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about not living up to somebody else's standard. How many of you know that's a dead end road? You'll never get your sleeves long enough. Your hair will never be in the right spot. It's just, it's a dead end road. When God writes his conviction on your heart and you live in it, there's no greater freedom than that. Man, woman, boy, or girl. It's no greater freedom than that. When I talk about compromise, I'm not, referring, I'm not referring to that. I'm not referring to you living up to somebody else's standard of conduct or dress or whatever. I'm referring to coming to a place of settlement in your spirit where you would rather make concessions regarding your faith than to build on it. I guess I better just give it up. Everybody else is. I guess I better. That's compromise. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. There's a reason why it's, we're told to fight the good fight of faith. In fighting, there is no compromise. How many of you have been in a good fight? There's only two of y'all in here that are truthful. <laughs> How many of you women have ever been in a good fight? Man, that's what, <laughs> I know who not to get mad at now. Amen. Yeah. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't make concessions. In the book of 1 Samuel 11, Brother Brandon, if you'd like to come. In 1 Samuel chapter 11, Saul was, was selected as the king of Israel. As he was there, he, he wasn't enthroned into a palace setting as of yet. In fact, he was, he was selected. He kind of, you know, uh, didn't really feel like that he was worthy of the spot. And he went back into a lifestyle of, of uh, herding cattle and things of that nature. And one of the towns that was under his command, Jabesh Gilead, came under an assault. Nahash, an Ammonite, came to Jabesh Gilead, puffed his chest out and said, it's time for y'all to pay up. I'm fixing to take over your property. Give it up. The men, the leadership of Jabesh Gilead bowed their knee to him and said, hold on a minute. <laughs> We got to come up with some kind of concession here. I mean, uh, we just can't give up everything. I mean, we work hard in the fields. We plant these crops. We grow them. We try to feed our family. Uh, we, we just can't go along with this. I mean, is there any reprieve? Can you do anything for us? Nahash said, All right, I'll meet you at your point of concession. Oh, great. Great. What will it be? What will it be? Every one of you have to give up your right eye. How many of you ever heard that story? Gouge out your right eye. Now, I don't know about any of you guys. I, I mean, I think I do. If that was an option on the table given to you, I don't think that you would have done what we read in the Scripture. What we read in the Scripture was that the men of Jabesh Gilead said, 
Give us a week to pray about it. If somebody's coming to my house to gouge out my eye, I promise you I ain't praying about it. <laughs> Honey, bring the judge. You know what I'm talking about. Uncle Rocky, hey, I need your help. We ain't praying about nothing. Forget it. The fight is on. I'll be right back, Jesus. Stay right here. How many of you with me? How many real people do we have here? I ain't saying going out looking for a fight. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about when one shows up at your door, what are you going to do? You going to give up your right eye or are you going to stand and defend? Are you going to concede? No, I ain't conceding. There's some things they want you to concede with today. I'm not doing it. Not going to do it. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Not going to do it. Amen. Not conceding. Praise the Lord. I understand we're living in a very uh, topsy-turvy cultured life right now. I understand that. And it's not supposed to be any other way than that because that's what the Scripture tells us. And I know it's troubling to see a lot of these things happen, but you're not forcing it on me. My house ain't taking it up. We're not swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. We saw the hook. We know what's coming. We're not doing it. Praise the Lord. We're not having to pray about it. We're standing firm in our faith, and we're going to continue, amen, in the faith. Nahash wanted to put out their eyes. They said, let's pray about it. But you know what Saul did? His very first act as king, I mean, he roared to the scene. You know what he did? He heard the people crying. He came up out of the fields. What's going on? They told him what's going on. And he got mad at the fact that they were having to think about it. So he said, bring me an oxen. Somebody brought him an ox, and he cut it up in 12 pieces, sliced it up in 12 pieces. What are you doing? He said, go give each tribe a piece of this ox and tell them this. If you give in, Nahash ain't stopping at Jabesh. He's going to go to the next town. And he's going to do to you what I just did to this cow. And then he's going to the next town and the next town. If you give, listen, somebody said it like this. Give the devil an inch and he'll what? No. Let me rephrase it for you. You give him an inch, he'll be a ruler. That makes sense, don't it? You give him an inch, he'll be a ruler. You don't stop him here, he's coming to the next point, the next point, the next point, the next point. Look, be like Moses. Refuse to compromise. Refuse to compromise. Amen. Refuse to stand. Amen. Uh, or or uh, concede to this world. Amen. Refuse. Amen. Stand firm. Stand fast. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 4. It speaks of Abel offering a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. What made it more excellent? We're talking about faith. What made Abel more, uh, more excellent than, uh, than, than Cain's offering? What made it more excellent? Because he was the firstborn? Because he did, his looked a little bit better in the package? No, it's because that's what God asked him to do. It's what God told him to do. 
I won't accept anything other than what I've told you to do. That's what made his offering a more excellent offering. It's what God required. Don't add to it. Don't make living for God harder, amen, than what the devil wants you to make it, amen. Just live for the Lord. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Walk in the grace that God has given you, amen. And I know that you're going to have trouble. In fact, somebody said it like this. You'll, you'll go through hell to get to heaven. You can do it. Final thoughts, real quick. I like this story. This will help you encourage. This will encourage you in your faith. And this is for every, every, uh, every gender, both of them, both of them. Amen. YouTube world. I'm not poking fun. I'm just saying, this is it. This is it. Matthew 14. This will help you. Every single one of you. This will help you. Jesus puts his disciples in the boat, says, go to the other side. And he's watching as they sail away. As they're sailing away, he's watching them. A storm comes. As you study it out, I believe it's a, it's a satanic attack, no doubt. Storm comes. Jesus comes walking on the water. How many of you read that scripture before? then you'll understand where we're going. Jesus comes walking on the water, and some of them said, it's a ghost. And Peter says, no, it looks like Jesus. And he hollers out, hey, Jesus, is that you? Is that really you? Yeah, it's me. Well, if it is you, let me come on out there with you. What does he do? Jumps out. And he starts walking on water. Wow. And then the scripture says, that he began to see the waves and the wind boisterous. In fearing, he began to sink. He cried out to the Lord. The Lord grabbed him, put him back up, and immediately back in the boat. What did Jesus tell Peter when they got back in the boat? Hey, you did good. Oh, you know how you are when you're little kids. Oh, look, come here to mama. Oh, look at them two steps. No, he didn't do that. What did Jesus tell Peter? Oh, ye of. Say it again. Little faith? Okay, how many of y'all have walked on water lately? Has there anybody here ever walked on water? How many? We sidestep puddles. He walked on water, but yet he's considered to have little faith? How does this work out? I'm trying to teach you something here. Faith isn't about walking on water. Faith is about doing what God called you to do. Come on out here, Peter. Do you know that if Peter would not have taken his eyes off of the Lord, he could have walked all the way over to Galilee. The rest of them were over there rolling. Don't you know how easy it is for us to walk in faith? How much, life, how much easier life will be if we'll walk in faith toward the Lord? Everybody else is rolling. Wearing themselves out. Give us another relief here. And here Peter is just walking on water. You know what I submit to you today? Every single one of those disciples could have gotten out of that boat. Every single one of them could have walked on water that day. Why? Because God said, come on. What I'm submitting to you today is this. 
faith is doing exactly what God said to do when he says to do it. No no other thing. Well, God's always called me to this. I want to warn you about this, and I promise you we're closing. You know, when I look at my watch, you know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? It means nothing. It means nothing. When God calls you to do something, here's where God is trying to get the church at in the hour that we're in right now. Always have a listening ear. Not just hear what God said, but hear what he's saying through the process. Let me give you an example. You go back to the book of Genesis. God said something to a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham? Yes, Lord. I want you to take your son, your only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. How many of you know that story? Now, we're not talking about a troubled teen here that most of us would be glad to just push on down the road. We're talking about a son that he loved. Take your son, your only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. You know what Abraham said? Yes, Lord. Count me in. I'm doing it. Bundles him up. I kind of have the suspicion, though, Abraham may not have told Sarah about it. Can you imagine trying to tell your wife what's fixing to happen and getting out of the house on that? <laughs> what are y'all doing? Ah, we're going to the movies. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. So he bundles everything up, and they head out to Mount Moriah. God called me to do this. I'm going to do it. Men, when we get it in our brains that we've got to do it, we've got to do it. Am I right, guys? Boy, that's one of the biggest things about Matt Cherry. When he gets it in his head, it's in his head. I'm stubborn. Sometimes that's good. Most of the time, it gets me in trouble. He takes his son. They head to Moriah. And they get up to the top. It's in my mind. It's in my heart. It's in my spirit. I want to obey. I want to grow in faith. Abraham is the father of faith, Right? He was faith before the law. Faith has always been the way it is. I want to I please God. God, you told me to kill my kid. You told me to lay him out there. So he, lays, he builds the altar. He lays him out there. And man, I'm telling you, midstream, he's ready to come down with a knife. Midstream. And God says, don't you dare do it. Do you have an ear to hear? Do you have an ear to hear what God is saying to you progressively? Well, God, I know you told me to kill him. I got to go ahead. I got to go ahead and do it. There was a backup plan. In the book of Hebrews, it says, Abraham did believe that if he was to crucify his son, God would have raised him up. But I like how the Scripture speaks to us of where in the middle of doing what God called him to do, God said, stop. I see your faith. I see your faith. And he was listening even at that point. You see, faith doesn't mean that I've got to do what God told me to do. I've got to do it for the rest of my life. God may change the pattern of things for your life. Amen. He may change the pattern of things for your life in time to come. But I've always done it this way. That may be what God wanted at the time. What does he want out of your life right now? Are we listening now? That's why I like the word. Stand to your feet, if you will, with me this morning. That's why I like the words of, of Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now faith. Now faith. Not faith of yesterday. Not faith of tomorrow. Right now. What do you want, Lord? What do you want out of my life? When we live and operate in that now faith, I promise you, your spirit life will grow exponentially. How many of you want exponential spiritual growth? It's easy. Now faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Father, we love you this morning. We appreciate everything that you mean to us, Lord. Everything that you have done for us, how that you have brought us unto the kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, on this special recognized day, Father's Day, I pray in this service, Lord, you would minister and move and touch in each and every heart, that we would purpose within our hearts that we're going to serve you, that we're going to live for you, that we're going to follow after you, and nothing will sway me from that decision. Bless each home, bless each heart. And I ask in Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, is there anybody here who would just raise your hand and say, I want to know this Savior. I don't know Jesus in a personal way. I want to know him this morning. Is that you? If that's you this morning, we want to pray with you. We want to believe God to touch you. Amen. We want God to have his way in your heart and life. I'll tell you what I would like for you to do. And this will involve all of us. But in this room, there are some men, whether they recognize it or not, some men who are targets of the enemy. Simply because you're a man in a place of divine care. And the devil don't like that. And being a special day like Father's Day is today, I want to I do something to encourage you. I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to encourage you. Would you as men, would you come this morning and meet me around the front here, in the front of this auditorium, around these altar areas? Because what I want to do, men, here in just a minute, is I want to get... I want to get an army of supporters to come stand behind you. And I want each of you to know your wives, your children, your friends, your family. I know just by the dynamics of things, they love you, they pray for you, they care for you, they appreciate everything that you do. That's just the dynamic of our culture. That's the way it is. But every once in a while, congregation, these guys need to know somebody touched God for me. In fact, somebody touched me on behalf of God. And that's where you come in. I want you to come identify somebody that you know up here. And I want you, come on, I want you to come lay hands on these folks. And we're going to pray together collectively as a body that, Lord, I want you to minister and give strength to each and every one of these individuals that are standing here. This is the front line of spiritual defense that's going on in our world today. And I can tell you guys, you're doing a good job. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on standing. Can we praise him? Can we lift him up? 
Can we, can we pray for these men that are standing here this morning? Father, we come to you today so grateful, Lord, that there are men who are willing to let their stand mean something. They're standing for Jesus. They're making a commitment that I'm going to stand for you, Lord. It doesn't matter what comes or goes. It doesn't matter what rises or falls. As for me and my house, Lord, we will serve the Lord. We're going to make that decision. We're going to make that declaration. We're not backing up. We're not bowing down. We're not going to bend. Uh, we're not going to burn. Lord, we're going to stand for you, Jesus. Touch each and every one of these men. Lord, touch them in their, in their desire to let their faith grow, to build their families, to build their wives, their children, their spouses. God, to minister to them great and mighty ways. Lord, I pray that you would silence the mouth of the evil one that would rise against them. Lord, in judgment, I pray that you would just give victory and power. Lord, anointing and strength that only you can give, Lord. This is the day that you have made. We are the people. We are your people, Lord. The sheep of your pasture. Father, I just ask you right now, let there be men in this building today that are dedicated like Daniel that says, I'm going to purpose in my heart that I will not defile myself. Hallelujah. Lord, minister to them today. Let the Holy Ghost of God speak to their hearts and speak to their lives and encourage them in their walk with you, Lord. God, just give them favor everywhere that you open doors for them. Shut doors that no man can open. Open doors that no man can shut. God, just go before them today. Make their rough places smooth. Make the crooked places straight. Lord, I pray that you would exalt every valley and bring low every mountain that stands in opposition against their walk with you. God, give them favor and grace. Lord, we just give you praise and glory for everything that you've done and are doing. Minister to these. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, before you're dismissed, won't you shake hands with one of those men around you? Hug their neck, tell them you love them, tell them you're praying for them, tell them you're standing with them, amen. Faithful fathers.